Konnichiwa! And howdy y'all! I'm Leslie! And I'm Laurie and welcome to Sumo, Sumo Kaboom! Where we talk about all things sumo! Yeah, this week we are diving back into Kimarite, or as we say in Texas, Kamarat! <laughs> Those are the sumo winning moves that you use in the sumo ring. And we're doing this in case we have beginners out there who want to learn, or anybody really, who wants to learn a little bit more about these moves in the ring. Yeah, I'm definitely still learning, like, the real basic stuff. Well, I think we all are. Yeah. But this week we went to Bruce Henderson of the Tachi Eye blog. Who He's happens, a real pro. Real he pro. is a real pro. He's been watching Sumo for a long time, writing about it for a long time. And he happens to live in our neighborhood. So we Not, like, like, literally in our neighborhood, but, like, real close by. Yeah, yeah. Lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth area yeah. as well, in Texas. And so we called him up and said, hey... Can we talk with you a little bit? And so we're going to share some of that conversation with you later. But first, I wanted to apologize. Last week, we did not have an episode. So this next week, uh, I'm happy to be back. And uh, I know some of you reached out and were wondering where we were. And life just got crazy busy. And that's just what happens sometimes is we just couldn't make it happen. But we are back with you this week. And I think now it's time for a good old-fashioned newsflash. Okay, I think last time I mentioned that Kisano Sato or Nishonoseki got a new disciple, Nakamura, and he has been given a new Shikona, which is, I believe, Ono Sato, which methinks, methinks that everyone in that stable is now going to have a Sato at the end of their name to honor their stable master. Oh, nice. So, well, you know how all Ki- the, the Takas are, the, you know... Talk a no show, talk a K show. Yeah. So we're going to have Satos. I think we're going to have... Something, something Sato. I think we're going to have a bunch of Satos. That's that's what I think. Okay. So uh, that's a little bit of news. Also, biggest news is Wakataka Kage is going to oh. have to have his whole right leg amputated. Oh, no, that is... No, 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 no. That would be bad. But it's, the Just real nose kidding. is not much better, though. Just kidding. He has uh, ACL injury. He had reconstruction constructive surgery on that right knee and the worst part about it is the docs were like we give you six months to 12 months of healing before you're back which means when we see him he will be possibly back down in Makushita. He's going to be making the Terra Fuji climb. I know. I mean, Sumo loves a comeback. And I mean, I've heard also that like if it's six to 12 months, I mean, in Sumo time that's like two weeks that yeah that's like he'll be doing basic exercises next week i fully expect it to be more like six to eight months not the 12 months but you never know you just never know with that guy how long it's gonna take so we're sending him good vibes and i hope he heals quickly yeah i you know and fully all he really needs is a good ace bandage some ice yeah and then throw him back in there that's right no he's gonna get it taken care of and we are very happy about that yeah but you know who was thrown back in there Teren Fuji, he has been seen on the on the on the tour, the Jungyo. He is out and about and crushing it. And he said he plans to be in the May tournament. Everyone, that is his plan. But he is also when he had surgery, he lost like twenty kilos. And he said he's really he struggles because he has diabetes, so he can't put the weight on quickly. So he's put back on 10 of those kilos, but it starts to mess with his blood sugar. So we will most likely see him back, but I think that's his way of saying like, 
I can't get back up to top fighting form because he has to get back to his regular weight and that messes with his blood sugar. And so he has to do it safely and slowly. So we'll see a skinnier version come May. But I'm I'm glad to know that he's going to be back after like four tournaments. Wouldn't it be funny if he showed up and he was like 5'8 and only weighed about 180 pounds? <laughs> We're like, how did he shrink? Yeah, right? No, no, no. I saw a picture of him today, and he was smiling. Yeah, I think everybody's loving seeing him back. He's loving being back. Yeah. And he won, like, one of the tournament days, the elimination yeah, rounds. Like, everybody's letting him win. It's fabulous. I know. Just as long as they keep him safe. Yeah, they're all like, great, you can win every single fight in the Junio. We will let you win forever. And he's loving it. He is. And you know who else we're seeing on the tour is uh, Asanayama. He's out there. Um, he did come down with some sort of fever. And he, then he was like, y'all chill out. Calm down. It's just a cold. It's fine. Because everyone was like, is it COVID? And he was like, no, I just left the tour for a few days because I had a fever and I'm back. So he's back. Takayasu is, is on the tour. Yeah. Kiribayama is also on the tour. Y'all, the best thing about the tours are the fact that y'all send us pictures. Like we have some listeners over there in Japan who are going to these tours and they're sending us images and video from the tour mm-hmm. and because you know that we would like them. And we do. We absolutely love them. Yeah, so they're I up love, close and personal, yeah, which is they're what all behind the we scenes. want. Yeah, like I want all of the photos with cellulite in them that you could possibly send me. Yeah. That is my jam. Yeah. I'm getting all kinds of people who are, well, uh, some of our listeners are actually over there. They're vacationing and they're sending just pictures of Tokyo or all around Japan. It's really nice. I like that y'all keep in touch with us. We I love feel it. like we're traveling. Yes, when you I all love are. it. Please keep it up. Please keep going. And that is pretty much all I got on the news front. Okay. I just want to remind everyone in Texas and in nearby states, there's a sumo tournament coming up in Tejas. It is Friday, April 28th, and Saturday, April 29th. Well, I should, let me amend that, because Friday, April 28th is training with Gagamaru, y'all. Yeah, like the real Gagamaru. Yes, it is. Um, There's going to be sort of a meet and greet and train a little bit with Gagamaru. And then the tournament itself is Saturday, April 29th. There's going to be beer, sake, food and art vendors, taiko drumming demonstrations, lots and lots of sumo wrestling, an after party with a DJ and lots more to come. It's being put on by the Dallas Sumo Club, a nonprofit organization in Dallas-Fort Worth that is really into spreading the joy of sumo in the United States. It's, it's called like the Roller Town uh, Sumo Tournament. Yeah, like that. Roller Town Showdown. Roller Town sumo Showdown Tournament. Yeah. So if you want more information, go to the DallasSumoClub.org. Um, you can contact Corey Morrison, who's putting all this together. He's doing a fantastic job. I know uh, Bruce Henderson, that we're going to talk to later in our episode, is going to be there. The Grand Sumo Breakdown. At least one of those guys is going to be there, and uh, lots more people will be there. So. If you want to get involved and you want to do sumo in the U.S., there you go. Go to that event. We thought before we jump into Bruce's awesome interview about Kimarite, we would read you some poems from some of our listeners. This one came from Kotuno What Now on Instagram. I had to think about how to say that for a second. It is a response to the poem that we read last episode that was about Abby. And this person said, you know what? I think you need a new poem. I wasn't thrilled about the poo poem. Oh, yes. So I'm going to post my own Abby poem here. 
just as an alternative. And I did ask if we could share this, and this person said, why, of course. Pics by our wrestlers on Instagram is gone because someone was gagging a friend. Now come on. <laughs> Although for bondage games, he did sorry say from them hostess bars, he couldn't stay away. <laughs> By waving lengthy arms, he has a thrusting game that honestly do put the other guys to shame. Yet with a dirty hanka, he Papayasu robbed, though he melted hearts when he afterwards did sob. With big dark eyes and a beautiful face, before each bout shows gorgeous Shiko Grace. This maverick of sumo is nothing but a force. Who's sexiest of all? Well, Abby, of course. <laughs> a whole different take on Abby. There, it's, it was full circle. I mean, from yeah. scandal from the beginning, scandal in the middle, and to he does have the best Chico, best in the biz. Yeah. The prettiest by far. To end it with some true love for the Abby. Right. right? The Abby Who's guy. sexiest of all? Why, Abby, of course. Well, I think we all like bad boys. And uh, who was it? He, he was gagging i forgot and he's the whole reason why they don't have any I, social media i believe it's wakamoto haru, haru. yes <sighs> i think thanks yeah thanks don't to those that, two yuck yucks those two crazy kids yeah we don't have social media anymore with our wrestlers our favorite wrestlers <clears throat> it's all just official through the jsa okay if if you didn't know y'all we love the sumo poetry keep it coming we will share it we need a sumo song you know yeah anything you want to share just send to us yeah Here's another poem. I think this one comes from one of our previous poem writers. This is from Sumo, or New Jersey Sumo Girl. She's the one who sent us the Abby Poo poem. Oh, right. Well, she's got Poo Part 2? Poo Part 2. Well, this is fr- this is about Ted and Afuji. Oh. And it's to be read in Dr. Seuss style. Oh. So, cat and hat style. So, right. here goes. Wish me luck. Teru or Teru. If you would please, please be kind, be kind to those knees. We worry about your hurry, your hurry to return. To Yokozuna play, to official tourney sumo clay. With much love, your adoring and caring fans. Nice. Awesome. Very nice. I like it. Yeah. And uh, and this was written because Ted and Afuji, the, the picture not so long ago, him doing the doyo iri with Midori Fuji and they were walking down to the shrine and like all those fans were like 10 deep on each side yeah yeah that picture I think it does inspire poetry absolutely well thank you so much for our amazing poetry we are always always loving it let's skip to Bruce Henderson we had this conversation with Bruce. We just said, let's talk a little bit about the Kimarite. Just give us an overview. But we st- he started with a very interesting discussion about the Henka. Why don't you introduce yourself and talk a little bit about Tachi Blog? Hi, my name is Bruce Henderson. Uh, I'm a sumo fan. And um, I'm not a very smart sumo fan because when I... Well, I, f- I first started getting into sumo when I was in the U.S. Marine Corps and stationed in Japan. Uh, and I have to confess, it was my uncle who uh, was an international businessman who who really sort of lit the sumo fuse. When he was working in Japan for about five years, um, he worked for a big financial 
company and they had sort of permanent seats in the Kokugi Con, the, the one before the one now. And he took it upon himself to go every day that he could. And he became like uh, kind of a bit of a sumo expert. Uh, and it turns out that uh, his children went to the American school in Tokyo. And so did somebody else's, Jesse Kualapani, a.k.a. Um, Takamiyama. And so uh, Takamiyama became friends with my uncle's family. And so when uh, my uncle Peter would take his his you know five-year-old and, and three-year-old child to, to watch sumo, every time... Um, Takamiyama got up, they'd scream, go big Jesse. So um, that really lit the fuse. Um, I spent time in Japan and my uncle Peter, of course, is like, hey, you should go watch, you should go watch sumo. And so being a, a horribly underpaid uh, member of the U S military, I managed to scrape together a few ducats and, and find my way to go watch some sumo. And uh, of course it's, it's, it's one thing to watch it on TV when it's all in Japanese and you're going, I think I caught a word there. And it's I another think- thing to go, in person and just sort of see the action yourself. And so from that time forward, I was a sumo fan. And, you know, during the the rise of the Americans with Konishiki and Akibono and Musashi Maru or uh, yeah, Musashi Maru um, and all those guys, I was, you know, into, into sumo quite a bit, got out of it when it became almost impossible to watch it in the States and then started again around 2015, 2016 or so. And like I said, I'm kind of dumb. Because uh, I found a sumo blog started by this guy named Andy, um, and I started commenting on his blog, and I commented so much that he got tired of me commenting so much and said, here, why don't you just write things? <laughs> and I'm dumb enough that I did. Um, and you've been writing things since then? I've been writing things ever since then. And yes. um, I, I've sort of I've sort of now taken on the um, the dailies. Right. So the recap of the action, mm-hmm. the preview of the coming day. Um, and, you know, so I, I, I like it. I love it. Um, I don't get to spend nearly as much time as I used to now that I'm a father of, of some small children. Mm-hmm. But it was at one point glorious to be able to, to write all of this stuff where the, the daily action was usually pretty serious. And the preview was sometimes a tad on the ridiculous where uh, we coined a number of things about, say, Goeda. We, we, kept wondering why Goeda wasn't performing better and why he wasn't very good. And we eventually morphed into this notion that that Goeda was actually a sumo cyborg robot sent from the future. And depending upon which version of his operating system he was running would dictate how well he performed. And we, of course, called the operating system Goedos. Oh, nice. Right. And so yes. that we would have various Goedos uh, updates and it would cause him to either excel or, or to flounder hideously. So um, uh, sadly, these days, I, I don't have nearly as much time to cook up the ridiculous stuff as I used to. And I, I think fans miss it a lot, but I still love to write about sumo. Yeah. Well, and that's why I wanted to talk with you about Kimorite, because this oh. is one of those subjects that for many people is kind of like it's they're looking at it through the fog. Like they sort of have an idea of what's going on up there and they catch a name here and there of what the Kimarite are. And so we thought, okay, between these Basho this year, we're going to see if we can break some down. Mm. So last week we broke down the non-winning techniques, like all the ways you could win sumo without actually winning. Like someone pulls your hair or someone steps out. Uh, Yeah, but I wanted to talk about those because, all right, we'll get into it. I'm going to talk about those too because- Okay, oh, I would love it. opinions. 
Okay, good. I love your opinions. And that is exactly why I wanted to talk with you. Oh, so a beginner comes up and they're like, Kimarite, there's like 80 something uh, of them. Hold on, How hold on. do I? Hold on. Allow me to translate into Texan. Perfect. Kimarat. There, now go ahead. Yeah, that's exactly what we said last year. Yeah, a Kimarat. So there's a lot of Kimarat. There are. There's, how is um, it, how is I'm going to say something terrible. Like, what? There's 84 is not enough. There needs to be um, more. Um, 90s or over. I don't know. So if you go and you watch sumo, yeah, and you watch too much sumo like I do, including some of the lower division stuffs, and you see sometimes they're just like, I don't know. It's a Yorikiri there. <laughs> exactly. It's a catch-all, right? It's it's like I don't know what the heck they did. It was a the Oshidashi. Get off get off the dojo, kids. I don't care what it's it like, was. Get out it's, of an, here. it's an Oshidashi with their arms crossed and uh, right. yeah. And, Right. And yes. And and the Moashi fell down, but it's still an Oshidashi. Get out it's of still an Oshidashi. Right. And I think that, you know, I love Japan. I love Japanese culture almost as much as I love American culture. Um, and the Japanese love nomenclature. They just adore nomenclature, finding out words and categories for all different things. And I think it's one of the things that makes Japan tick. And it's got to be chafing somebody that there's only 84 Kamarate out there, right? It's like, but that wasn't this and that and the other. Okay, yes, there are 84 of the damn thing. There are 82, 84, something like that. So I'm going to talk about some of my favorites. And uh, I, you know, veteran sumo fans and people with strong opinions, you may wish to go get uh, something stiff to drink now because I'm going to go bruise on it. Perfect. So, I've got my Sprite. All right. I got to talk about Henka. Mm. I don't know okay. if you talked about Henka in your last one because I haven't had a chance. We have to... not. No, we have not talked about the Henka. Henka is Henka is where you have this tachiai, the initial charge, the you know, two guys slamming into each other with maximum force. But one of them, or sometimes both of them, decide not to make contact and try to take advantage of the other person's momentum to, to push them out. Well, the Henka is generally frowned upon by many um many sumo fans, especially ones in the stadium, because they want to see these two big, powerful dudes slug it out. Yeah. If you've got a henka, that means that somebody's somebody's like not going to have the fight. Well, hey, you know, and here's, I'm going now going to support my position. There are not enough Kimarite. Okay. Um, or Kimarites, if you're in Texas. Kimarite. Kimarites. No, that, don't pronounce that middle one. It's silent. That... Kimarite. Kimarites. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> So first of all, there's the hit and shift. That's the one that's most common. That's yes. where one of the rikshi is going to only absorb part of the blow and then move to the side, usually in order to apply a slap down or a push down. And so what happens is, as one guy is coming past, they'll take the hand that's closest to the rikshi that is absorbing the henka, and it'll push them down by the shoulder. Yes. Or they'll grab them by the back of the neck, right? So it's a slap, it's a push. Or sometimes if you're really nimble, it's a pull. Okay. Right? And the hit and shift is the one that we usually see. Okay. And sometimes there's almost no contact at all. Right. And this is like the complete get out of the way stuff. And right. you know, when it's well done, it it's really, it's really a thing of art. So I, I want to go in back into the ancient days. And I apologize because so many fans have joined Sumo in the last five years or the last 10 years. There are some great legendary figures in sumo classics. And uh, I'm sorry, I have to comment now that um, 
that the Sumo Kyokai has taken upon itself to take down an, an incredible library of, of old tournament videos that were mm-hmm. put up by the likes of Jason, the likes of Kintama Yama, and all these other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's robbing fans of the ability to look at Mayonumi. Mayonumi, a.k.a. Mighty Mouse, was the Picasso of the Henka, okay? He had more Henka styles than you have ever seen, even with the modern Henka masters. They are tremendous Henkas. Some of them are just pure artistry because it's this little guy. He'll usually pull it out against a big guy. The big guy goes a stumbling or a tumbling, and Mayanumi grabs him and is able to take control of the match. Mayanumi, what's, what's the range that you're talking about here? Of, of what he can do? Yes, the range of the Henka. The range? Okay, so you've got the hit and shift, right? Yes, Which I talked yes. about. And at the other end, we have what I call the flying Henka, where the person who is dodging the attack leaps into the air or leaps to the side or sometimes even leaps over the uh, the onrushing Rikshi in order to get behind them or to the side. And Mayanumi- like leapfrog. Yes. So Mayanumi, given his small size, his high strength, his high thrust to weight ratio, is able to do these flying Henkas. Now, there's other people who've been able to do these Henkas really well. Um, and- uh, Chiyo Shoma, right? You may hear some older fans grumble about Chiyo Shoma. Mm-hmm. Chiyo these days does pretty much straight ahead sumo. And if we want to talk about Kamarate numbers, we can look at what he normally does to win. But um, he used to be, I referred to him in the blog as the as the Henka dispenser because you knew he was going to Henka you. You're going to get five or six of them each and every tournament, <laughs> right? And it's like, what kind of form is he going to make? And well, those the, numbers are down now. He's only doing like one or two. No, he's doing straight ahead sumo now. So, but the the real master who took over the crown from from Mayanumi was Aminashiki or Uncle Sumo, as I called him. He was <laughs> the master of the henka. He would henka all the time, left, right, and sideways. And some of them were glorious, and some of them were okay. Well, what was that? Right. So, um, you had a whole range. So uh, we go from we go from hit and shift to what is sometimes called the Henka non-Henka, which is something that that Harumafuji used to do, which is you don't completely absorb the Tachi Ai, you sort of redirect it. It's very much a, a sort of karate, jujitsu type move where you focus your opponent's energy in a different direction in order to gain advantage. Oh. And the Henka non-Henka gets used quite a bit um, still because uh, Harumafuji used it with great effect, frequently against people like Hakaho in order to get to the side of them and, and be able to open up a route to get a hold of, of Hakuhu's body. Now, how is that different from the meet and shift? Hanka, no Hanka. So it it is a variable on how much of the frontal charge you actually absorb. So okay. this Hanka, non-Hanka, you're actually absorbing a fair amount of it, but you're doing it at an oblique angle. So rather than hitting head to head, you're hitting like this. The side. Okay, and you would still call that a Henka slash no Henka. Henka no Henka no Henka. Yes. Okay. All right. I like this. Okay. Sure. Um, you've got complete avoidance of the initial hit. You've got a meet and move, or a meet and shift, whatever you want to call it. You've got the yep hit and shift. You've got the Henka no Henka. What what mm-hmm. else? So um, a couple other things on the Henka. Hakaho had one. He didn't use it very often. He got in trouble for it whenever he did because he's, you know, the Dai Yokozuna to end them all. But there are a couple great matches between him and Haramafuji or him and, and uh, Kisa Nosato where he pulls this thing out. And you, 
you know, you can tell it's coming because um, the herate, the face slap that Hakaho used to like to do, mm-hmm. he would do a face slap as he was moving to the side, right? Oh. In order to focus his opponent's attention forward, right? So While his he... body was moving elsewhere. So Hakaho would move to the side in the initial would, hit and slap. Forward and, and to the side, but as he's moving, he's bringing up his hand and he slaps his opponent. On the same side that he's moving to so that he's forcing them to look away? No, no. It's just to keep them from noticing that his feet aren't where they want them to be. I see. I see. Okay. It's to shift their focus away from... So a good... Re- look, you know, if you go and you watch Hakaho fight, say, Kisuna Sato, who was sort of his, his, uh, his bane, um, Kisuna Sato when he was at his height, was always looking at center mass. If you read my 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 work on Tachi too much, I keep talking about center mass. It's not looking the opponent here, looking the opponent about here, because solar you know, plexus, like middle of chest, heads around, but where center mass is is where their body is going, right? And Kisuna Sato was relentless about watching center mass and knowing where his opponents were going. Well, if you're looking. At Hakaho's center mass, as you're about to launch off the Shakiri Sen, the white stripes on the on the doyo, and you get hit in the face, your eyes are not going to be on his center mass for just a moment, and that's enough time for him to step out of the way. Oh, wow. So, what would you call that one? No, that's a Hakaho. It's Hakaho Hirate. special. It's a Hakaho special. Whatever. <laughs> it's like a hot sauce. Yes, yes. Um, and, and one last word about, about Henka is there have been a couple of really high-profile Henka that have, have done have made a tremendous change in the world of sumo. And I'm thinking back to, I think it was probably 2017 uh, or so, when, um, when Terano Fuji um, employed a Henka against Kota Shogiku on a must-win match for him in order to retain Ozeki. He did? He did. The match that cost him his Ozeki, he lost due to a Henka. Because he was attempting the Henka and it didn't work? No, because the uh, it was Terano Fuji who employed a Henka against Koto Shogiku who needed a win. Oh, I see. Got and it. Koto Shogiku hit the clay. Oh, so this was, uh, you know, it, it, uh, I'm sure you're about to get a flood of comments because people are, ah! anytime you bring that up. People get very, very itchy and very, very excited about that. I have not seen that match. Yeah. So go, um, yeah, go find the match where if it's, if you can ever find it now, because they took so much down um, of the tournament where Kota Shogiku um, loses the Ozaki rank and he loses it thanks to a Hanka. Uh, and it's brutal it's just brutal uh, that's the thing it's always brutal when the Hanka really works at that moment when when the person really needs right. to win Ooh, that's when it's kind of like a knife but all of that is Hanka yes and and so there's so many interesting variations because Rikshi who who practice it and are good at have their own sort of variations and those variations sort of make it into the sumo library if you will that other rikshi pick up pick up and sometimes emulate and that's so there i'm making a case that henka is not actually a, a kamarate and none of the henka variations are kamarate right they're usually listed as hitaki komi or sukidashi or something right oh yeah you're right you're right sukiyatoshi sorry i'm oh, sorry that's okay i'm, I'm never going to correct you about that kamarate. ever <laughs> Sorry, getting lost. I know that I know the the actual experts now are going. Yeah, 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 
you're bastard. You're getting it wrong. That was so fascinating. I had so much I learned. Yeah, and there's more coming, y'all. We just thought we'd give you a snippet this week. We're going to bring Bruce back next week to talk more about keem rats. <laughs> or kimarite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we've we got a lot more coming. He knows a lot about wrestlers of the past that are known for doing certain kimarite. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk more about statistics and what modern wrestlers do and what they depend on. Right, that, that part yeah. is fascinating. So we can't wait to share that with you next week. So until then, I'm Leslie. I'm Laurie. See y'all later. Bye.